Man, uh, this is such a surreal moment. I'm, I learned last time I gotta I gotta speak slower, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best here today. Um, man, for those of you that uh, have not had a chance to meet, I just want to say thank you for your yes here at North Central. Uh, just your investment in what God is going to be doing here at this time. Um, it is an honor to be up here. Uh, man, Jesus changed everything for me, and uh, it was such a humbling moment. Uh, I mean, back in 2011, I'm from the class of 2011, and to look back and to see what God did during this time here, the older I've gotten, the more aware I am of the grace that I have lived in and through the past decade plus, the grace that was extended to me, the mercy that was extended to me, and the love of God that I experienced at the deepest level. And it's, uh, I just pray that you catch that now, and you don't have to be in your 30s to recognize what it was. Because what I can tell you is what God is doing here, it is not manufactured. It is not something of, uh, of just uh, of circumstance or just verbiage that's just being regurgitated and tossed back to you flippantly. But it is one of actual substance of what God has done, is doing, and is continuing to do here at North Central. In these moments, even as you're waiting till 1140 and you get the QR code on the screen to scan to get out of here, even in those moments, those structured moments, God is at work, and I felt that during worship here today. And uh, man, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste too much time here because I want to go back into worship here before the code goes on the screen here at 11:40. Um, for those of you uh, that are uh, part of Team iPhone, where's Team iPhone at? Uh, Team iPhone, we're we're gonna get a little divisive here. Where's my Android Google holdouts? You guys there? I don't know if they're like booing that they have them or like booing those that have them. Well, uh, early, I mean, back, back in my day, okay, like, I mean, we got to remember, this is 2008, 2009, 2010, like, one of the cool jobs to have uh, when you were here at North Central, you'd hop on the light rail, you'd go to the mall, and you'd work at a cell phone boutique, not just a store, but a boutique. One of my best friends worked at a place called Shock City, and they, show, they sold cell phones. It wasn't t- just T-Mobile, just Verizon, there was Boost Mobile, there was Virgin Mobile, there was Pay by the Minute, all that stuff, and so early on, I I was an early adapter to, uh, to, to Android. And so as uh, I got older, I had I switched phones and I got uh, an iPhone. And I have to admit, it was one of those moments that I was like, ah, I don't know what the hype is about. It's, it's cool. It's fine. And then I tried to switch back to my Google, like a, a Google phone. My wife looks at me and dead serious. She goes, Phil, our marriage has never been better. Why would you do that? It's like we had moved all the family chats. Like I was the lone holdout, right? Now, for me, I'm a bit of a nerd, and so when I was switching to Apple, I went, like, I love to do, like, the documentaries. I love to look at the story behind it, like, okay, what came to be, all of this stuff. Like, you know, there's a General Magic documentary I know that uh, has, that's just amazing about the story of just kind of where the iPhone even came from. But one of the stories for me that just was fascinating when it came to Apple and all that was the story of of a young man uh, named Ronald Wayne. Everybody say Ronald Wayne. Okay, yeah, y'all, I think y'all know where I'm going with this. So Ronald Wayne uh, was one of the three founders of Apple. Uh, I know Steve Jobs is probably one of the more proficient ones, one of the people that we know a lot more about. And then there's Steve Wozniak, and he was the other one. And both of them had 45% of the company. And this man, Mr. Wayne, had about 10% because he helped settle any disputes that they would have in the boardroom. Now, he was kind of like, I don't know about this whole Apple product thing. I don't know about this whole company. And what happened in the late 1970s when 
he, or just, he was getting a little nervous. He was getting a little upset. Like, I don't know if I could do this. He sold his 10% of the Apple company at that time for $800. Now, just like, I think Steve Jobs was like, bro, are you sure? Because a year later, they paid him another $1,500 to never bring it back up again. Like, like, okay, so $2,300. Now, if you were to do an evaluation, uh, Apple at this point is $2.7 trillion. What do you think 10% of $2.7 trillion is at that point? I mean, you're talking about $270 billion for breaking up a fight, right? For breaking up a fight between a couple C a CEO and a CFO. And, but there's, I look at this story because it sets the tone for today, what we're just going to unpack in the few moments that we're together. Because there's, this, there's these moments in life where the fear of the unknown, the fear of the future can cause you to do some stupid things. The fear of what's to come, the doubt of, is it really as good as I think it's going to be? This whole calling thing, this whole faith journey, is it actually as good as I hear about it at NCU Chapel? From what my teachers share, what I hear in these worship songs, is it actually as good as what we see in this story, as surface level as it might feel in comparison to a faith journey, is that when we have these moments in your college and you're looking ahead to what will be post-graduation and it can feel like you're almost in this bubble of absolutes and things of that nature when it comes to what's next and what's the next 10, 20, 30 years going to look like. But what happens when fear and doubt begin to enter the equation, it almost causes us to, to have this pause, to stop working to stop uh, perfecting the craft, to stop pursuing what God is prompting us to do, to stop following the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we see when it comes to faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it's a verse that a lot of us here know already, but Hebrews 11, 1, and you'll see it on the screen. And so it says faith, I'm going to look back on this one, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. A speaker you have here on Thursday, Pastor Terry Parkman, he had a great quote about this. Is We've almost come addicted to clarity. We've almost gotten so addicted that it's like, I, I need 110% clarity before I take a step forward. But really, that's almost like the antithesis of faith. Because faith is the evidence of things unseen. So, but what does it look like to have a faith that's fit for the fight? What does it have a faith that doesn't fizzle out in the fire? What does it look like to draw from a well that is deep in the heart of God? One of the things I'm just here to share with you today, and this is, I mean, if you doze off, if you start checking homework assignments, I just want you to get this, right? It's the well you draw from will be as deep as you're willing to dig. The well you draw from five years from now, 10 years from now, 15, 20, 25, it will only be as deep as you are willing to dig. It is so easy in a culture and environment today to go, well, my teachers, my school, my, and to almost begin to allow excuses to rob us of the ability to develop resiliency and a work ethic. The well that you draw from in your career, for your family, for your faith, will be as deep as you are willing to dig. So the title of today, just keep digging. Just 
keep digging. We're going to look in the book of Ephesians here today, uh, chapter 3. For those of you that are newer to the Bible, I don't assume everybody is fluent within the scriptures and the word of God. The Ephesians, uh, the letter to Ephesians, it's found in the portion of the Bible called the New Testament. Bible is broken up into two spots, Old and New. Old Testament is before Jesus showed up. New Testament is after Jesus showed up. What I love about this letter uh, and this book, uh, Ephesians, is it's being written by a man named Paul. Everybody say Paul. And what I love about Paul, Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples that followed Jesus. So sometimes when we look at scripture, we can uh, look at these stories and these moments captured by the disciples and the followers of Jesus. And we could think to ourselves of, well, if I had Jesus next to me, of course I could have done that. Of course I would have gotten out of boat and tried to walk on water. But Paul was a man that did not, was not following Jesus side by side, but was an example of someone who had his life transformed by a personal encounter with Jesus. So what's so cool and so just uh, engaging for me as I look at this text is this is a person who did not personally know Jesus face to face but has had an encounter and experience with him in such a way that it's causing him to live out of this deep well that he has dug. This life of overflow of sharing and encouraging and teaching all those that are new to the faith. That it's such this magnetic, like you've got to know Jesus. And in Ephesians, what I love, he's writing this letter to a young church, a young believer, a congregation that is, they're trying to continue to move forward, that they're doing the right things and it's just getting a little difficult. They have a little bit of obstacles. And the letter of Ephesians, it's not one of, here's all the drama going on in this area, but it's a letter of Paul encouraging them saying, this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to continue to keep going. This is what it looks like to continue to pursue, to continue to press on, to continue to dig deep and discover the deep love of God. And we find that in just the encouragement I'm going to share here today is just straight from Scripture. So any of the points that you quote, don't even at me. Just just at Ephesians, at Paul, because it's just straight from the Bible. Okay? It's one of those like weird pet peeves. I'm like, that's actually Scripture. That pastor didn't say that. Like, that's the Bible. But... I digress, all right? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 20 is where we're going to be here today. I'm going to read out my paper Bible if you don't mind. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul, I pray that from his being God's glorious unlimited resources, that he being God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts As you trust in him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete, all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, now All glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or think. Man, it's such a powerful scripture. It's a picture of my son. Sorry, I have that in my Bible. It's such a powerful portion of scripture. When you look at this, these five verses, if you have not read the book of Ephesians in a while, I would encourage you to get into it this week. There's so much there to pull from. But these verses we're going to just be pulling from is looking at what does it take and what does God provide when it comes to digging a deep well 
that will continue to produce beyond your time here at North Central, beyond this phase of your life. Now, I don't know how much of you have done research when it comes to digging wells. I'm going to do a little background for you because, you know, as, as good sermon prep, I need to make sure there's some fact-checking here when it comes to the stats about digging wells. A typical well might be 100 to 800 feet deep when you look at, like, a city well and all that, and they've come to a place called the water table. Everybody say water table. And at this water table is usually where they will stop drilling because they're like, oh, we have water. This is good enough. Let's continue drilling in other areas. You see this in residential cities and things of that nature. So one to 800 feet deep. Now, what's interesting is that depending on the season, the water table may shift. And they might have to go deeper to draw more water. But what happens is the wells that last decades and decades and decades are the ones that they break through the water table and they go deeper below. And they begin to pull from a deep reserve that a lot of times people just say, ah, that's too expensive. That's too difficult. That takes too much time. But what happens is where the, the most pure, the most richest in minerals type of water is where it's deep, but they settle for the water table. And I think a lot of times when it comes to our faith journey, we go, I have, I've learned enough. I think I'm good enough. In comparison to the Christians I see over here, I feel like I'm okay. I don't need to dig any deeper. I've already surpassed my family. It's just a miracle that I'm here. I don't need to pursue anymore, and we settle. But just like with the water table that in seasons that it could fluctuate, all of a sudden we wonder why we feel like, God, where are you? That when we are in a dry season, all of a sudden we feel like the well has run dry because we haven't dug deep enough. And so what does it look like? What does Paul encourage us here in Ephesians chapter 3 in just a few verses that we have uh, here that we're going to pull from? The first thing that we pull from, as you look at in verse 16, Paul says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, what we see initially is we are equipped. Look to your neighbor and say, you are equipped. Now, um, the worship team, y'all killed it this morning. Like, I mean, that was so, so good. And I, I have a, uh, I, I, I dibbled and dabbled a little bit. I will not say I'm a musician by any stretch of the imagination. And this story will highlight that, definitely. In high school, I did, as some high schoolers did, and I found myself in a high school band. And uh, so we had scraped together some money, and we were like, man, we're going to, like, dude, this is fire, right? Like, like in, that, in the environment of high school, like, everything's the best ever. And uh, so we scraped some money together, and we get a studio session, and we're going to do this, record this EP. And we go in there. Now, mind you, I was, I was semi-self-taught on drums. So I get in there, and the gentleman hands me some headphones and this thing. He goes, hey, here's your click. And I go, what's that? For those of you don't, that don't know music, my musicians just started twitching here for a moment. Uh, and don't, please don't point at people that need to learn to use the click. Please don't do that here, okay? <laughs> a click is a sound that you'll hear like a musician will have in their ear that will help them stay on beat, <laughs> that will help them stay within rhythm. I had never played with that. So I get, you can imagine the frustration of the band when we are prepping, we had our money set up, we had played for the studio time, and I go, what's a click? And they're like, oh, well, like, this is, and it threw me off. Can I, long story short, I messed up the entire studio session. <laughs> we, had to pay, we had to go get more money and come back another day because I didn't know how to play with the click. I wasn't equipped. And we find ourselves sometimes in these situations where we feel like, I, I don't, I, I've stepped in this moment and I don't know if I have what it takes to do what I know needs to be done. 
And what's amazing here is Paul is highlighting that this God who sent his son Jesus, there is a set of resources that he has that is unlimited. And one of the resources I just want to highlight in the time that we have here today is the word of God. Because we see, uh, we've heard the verse before, uh, before uh, like his word is a lamp unto my feet. I love what it says in 2 Timothy, or, uh, or 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 16. Or sorry, no, we're going to have it up on screen. Sorry, I skipped ahead in my notes. My bad. No, but uh, we got 2 Timothy that we're going to be having up on the back of the screen. Nope, we don't have it. That's on me then. I'm just going to switch, switch over there. But 2 Timothy talks about this and he highlights this in a way that I believe captures this when it comes to the importance of the word of God. Second, or Timothy was a follower of Jesus, but he was a disciple of Paul. Verse 16, this is what Paul, uh, Timothy writes. Or uh, Paul writes, he goes, all scripture is inspired by God and it is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip, equip his people to do every good work. And what we see in here, what Paul, what the letter is, is highlighting, like a click that keeps a musician on beat, like a click that keeps a musician in rhythm, that when you are in the word of God and you are digesting the resource that is the living word of God, the Bible, the scripture, it begins to allow you to highlight what is out of spirit, what is in spirit, what is out of line, what is in line. And it begins to correct and encourage and to guide and lead in the way that you should be going. But a lot of times when we look at this, we try to define good. You see at the end of verse 17, it says, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And a lot of times we've allowed culture, we've allowed outside voices to determine what is good. But when you are in the word of God and you begin to digest this resource in such a way you are equipped as you begin to understand what is good in God's eyes. What is the good that God desires? What is the good that God desires for you and your family? Because as you begin to digest that, as you begin to step into that, you discover that God is better than any song that you've ever sung. That God is greater than anything that you've ever heard or even talked about that God is actually better than any class you went through at any lesson that you've listened to. God is bigger and the good work that he has for you, the good work, every good work, whether that is behind the scenes at your company that you step into after graduation, but whether that's on a platform, whether it's in difficult seasons or seasons where it feels like everything's going right, every good work the second thing that we pull from scripture, uh, as we looked at, we are equipped. The next one is we are empowered. We are empowered. Ephesians 3, uh, uh, continue on verse 16, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team up as we get ready to, to close out here. We are empowered through his spirit. You're looking at this, uh, I, I love that... Um, that Paul referenced it, if you will keep that verse up there, because what you see is it's powered through his spirit, this inner strength through his spirit. Now, what I love when I look at inner strength, what the way that I begin to digest that is this spiritual grit and resiliency, the ability to get back up when you've been knocked down. 
And I love that Paul captures this in such a beautiful way, even in Acts chapter 14, verse 9. If you go back and look at it, it's this moment where Paul is sharing about Jesus, he's sharing about his faith, is beaten, left on the side of the road, thought for dead. But the scripture, it's one of those scriptures that when you read it and you like you read the words, you like you have to do a double take because you can't believe what you're reading. And in this scripture, it says Paul gets back up and goes back in the city. There are some of you here that you crawled your way into North Central spiritually. There are some of you, you feel like just day by day, like, we, like you hear the term living paycheck to paycheck. Some of you feel like you're living chapel to chapel. That you're like, man, I hope the speaker's good because I need something today. Man, I hope worship's good today because I need something today. And what you're sensing is there's a deficiency and there's a, a shallow well but what's happening is what, as we begin to partner with the Holy Spirit, you discover that there's an empowerment that takes place at the most deepest core of who you are. It's where we pull this verse in Scripture that it's even in our weakness, He is strong. That as you dig deep, as it feels like, oh God, this is for naught. I don't see the fruit right now. There will come a time and there'll become a season. No matter what career, if you're stepping outside of, uh, if you're not working in a church, if you're working in a business field, if you're working in education, if you're working in government, if you're a stay-at-home parent, whatever it is, there will be a season where you feel like, God, I don't got it. And it feels easier to tap out than to tap back in. What Paul is saying to this young church you are empowered through the Spirit. This inner strength, not external, not one that's celebrated, not one that's affirmed by what you've done, what you've said, but it's who lives inside of you, being empowered by the Spirit. And I'll close with this. We're gonna skip ahead to verse 20. Now all glory to God, who is able, everybody say able, through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever hope or dream. What I've loved about my time at North Central, my moments here, I recognize my most spiritual moments could not come from a chapel. My most spiritual moments could not come from a praise gathering. They needed to come in the intimate moments of God and I, me pursuing God, wrestling, questions, doubts. Because I found that in the wrestling process that God was able to do more than I could ever ask or imagine. North Central students, freshmen, PSEO, graduating seniors, everybody in between. The generation of follow needs you to keep digging. Uh, I love going to um, beaches uh, with my boys. Uh, we love to dig holes. It's a thing, right? I got a picture of them uh, slacking on the job here. Because for them, they found, they dug a hole just deep enough, and they're like, yeah, we're good. <laughs> and I, as I was prepping this, I felt God just convict me. He's like, isn't that, it kind of seems like what you might tend to do when you feel like you've gone deep enough. But there's something more. 
And what happens, whenever, if you're ever at a beach and you're digging a hole, chances are something like this has happened where the deeper you go, all of a sudden it begins to attract a crowd. You get some, some onlookers going, how long you been digging that hole? Are there animals in there? Can I help? And what at first started with one person, usually for us, winds up being like 18, 20 people, half of them we don't even know who they are. I'm just like, hey, I'm the adult here, wherever your parents are, just let you know that this is, we're here. But what I found and what I want to encourage you with, that a deep well that is dug in the heart of God, as you're pulling deep from within his heart, it produces life. And what will happen is it will begin to attract the broken. I was talking to Pastor Steve Tripp. He's a, a friend, but most importantly, even just a, a faith hero of mine. And um, he was sharing a story. Of, there's a young man that just that wasn't following Jesus. And he just goes, hey, I know I haven't been following Jesus. I wasn't all about this, but tell me more about this Jesus. Because there was a deep well that Pastor was pulling from and it attracted someone searching. It attracted someone who had questions. It attracted brokenness. The well that you dig is not just for you. A deep well feeds deep roots. A deep well lasts beyond your lifetime. I have the benefit of, of pulling from a well that I inherited just from my father. Who showed what it looks like to keep digging in the good and the bad. No essential? Keep digging. Just keep digging. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you might not be, feel noticed. You might feel overlooked, not seen. Just keep digging. You are empowered. You are equipped. I pray that this would encourage you. As Paul encouraged the church that I would, you would feel encouraged, not because of a pastor, but because of what God's doing and his Holy Spirit at work in your life. I'm going to have you all stand up and then we're going to close in prayer here as uh, we get ready to close out with our time. If you would with me, just I would ask you to extend your hands out like this just to receive. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for each and every student here. God, we don't know their story, but you do. God, I pray for those that this whole faith thing, God, that they've just given up on it. God, I pray that there would be a spiritual resiliency, God. I pray that there would be a refreshment that would take place, that would draw them back to you. That out of your unlimited resources, Lord God, that you would pour your spirit out, God, that there would be a hunger for your word. I pray, Lord God, that they would be, or that they would feel encouraged through the partnership with your spirit. I pray that this week, God, as they go, Lord, may they just be drawn back to you, God, in a fresh and new way. The God, that the well that they are digging is only as deep as they are willing to dig. May there be a holy resiliency and a spiritual grit out of this class at North Central that God would produce fruit for years to come, that people would know the goodness of God, not the goodness of North Central, but the goodness of God out of the well that these people are drawing from. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Hey, it's 11.40. I know the QR code is going to be going up on the screen here, but I want to encourage you, if you just want to, if, if there's a, uh, a prayer request you have, we have teachers and faculty members that would love to pray with you. There's just a moment you just need to sit and reflect and be in the presence of God for five minutes before you go to your next class. I encourage you to take that. Love y'all. Make sure you're at chapel tomorrow, Miss Stacy, and then Pastor Terry Parkman on Thursday. It's going to be a great week. We love you. We love you. We love you. Have a great rest of your week.